Welcome to The Blueprint, a podcast for you and your life as a professional. The people I have conversations with don't have to be famous. They have to be making a living doing what they do. My goal is to get you the information you need to make real decisions. Start a career, change a career, get your money right and get a handle on your operations. This is a career day in a box podcast. I am Philip Llanos, and maybe this is the blueprint for you. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is going to be a doozy, especially for anyone who's looking to jump into the freelance world or is recently a person who's lost their job and now is wondering, what do I do next? And you might have thought about freelancing. The way this episode is going to help you with the guest Floyd Mitchell is is exactly the things that you're going to need to know before you ever even touch the pen to the paper or the keystroke to the to the Google sheet, whatever it is you're you're building your little business plan on. You need to know operations and you need to be able to cut through the one thing that's going to save you all the headaches in the world. And this is getting your agreements together and understanding the psychology behind the way a client thinks. Because without that, you're not going to get anywhere. And the person who's going to make this as easy as possible for you is my guest, Floyd Mitchell. And now without any further ado, here's the conversation. Yeah, man. All right, Floyd. Dude, I'm with you. Let's do this. I'm super stoked to be reconnecting with you and uh, to share a little insight about about uh you know what i've experienced in, in running a digital agency and i think you know this topic that uh that we set out to talk about i think it's going to be something that will really help people i 100 agree with you like as you know i told you one of my own my own missions with this podcast is to be able to give people who are changing their career or or looking to rebound from a career loss into something else I want to speak to those people. And so when you and I were talking earlier uh, about, you know, a couple of ideas of where we, how we could approach this or what you're specifically looking to, to target with your own message, I realized uh, almost at the same time as you did, wow, this is exactly how we can help people. And that's talking about uh, an issue that I think not only I've experienced a lot, but if I'm correct, this part of the reason you're so passionate about it is because this happened to you a lot in your own uh, days when you were coming up, which is the idea of people trying to take advantage of freelancers. 100%. Yep. I I did experience it. Do you remember that? Like the first time ever? Dude, it is some of the experiences I had were so painful. They left like the seared, like, scar on my psyche um and it's almost like there's like this this like undefined or unspoken rite of passage where you kind of graduate from that from that grind that lower level kind of uh scratching and clawing that happens um in the business world you know once you kind of graduate from that you look back and you're like never again will i put up with that? Will I do that? Will I accept that? Um, some people, unfortunately, don't realize that there's another side. There's another option. There's a way to avoid that. There's a way to set expectations up early on in way of, in many ways, just communicating and setting those healthy boundaries. Um, 
but to also do that from a legal standpoint with your agreements and how you structure things. Um, but yeah, boy, do I remember uh, those things happening. And it's also the kind of thing that because of human nature, it's so easy to creep in and to catch you off guard and to happen mid mid project, mid stroke, mid um, mid swing on things. So it's something that you constantly have to be watchful for. And if you don't recognize the signs or if you haven't experienced it, you, you don't always see it coming, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, so, no, I, I would say I would say let's let's start here. Do you do you remember the first project you ever booked yourself as a freelancer? I do. I do. Was it yeah. a good experience or a bad experience? Well, the interesting thing is, is I'm kind of like a ready, shoot, aim kind of person. Mm. Um, it's just part of my it's part of my personality, but, uh, my very first freelance project I ever did. Um, I got, I got called to, to do some videos. Um, I was, I, my early career was as a film. I ended up in, as a film and TV producer. I ended up doing that for 12 years, but prior to that, uh, I lived in LA. Um, <laughs> I was, I was trying to be an actor. I couldn't get arrested as an actor in LA. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I got into like the, the, I worked at a coffee shop, uh, to, to stay alive. I had 12 roommates. I was lucky if I made 60 bucks in tips, 12 you know, roommates. Yeah. 12 roommates in a little apartment in Burbank. And my landlord was this older lady named Juanita. And apparently her son had, had died of a, of a, of a brain, brain tumor. Oh. And, and so she just loved boys and she loved just the the hustle of like you know young men in LA trying to make it and she was so sweet she let me move in when there was like five people living there and it was like this thing where it was like she could have gotten in so much trouble with her <laughs> property right. management company right. you know but it was like I got referred to her and 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 somebody mentioned you know for people who are trying to because for me I had I moved to LA and I'd like run out of money paying for taxis and staying in expensive hotels I literally knew no, knew nobody um one so day you're maybe not we'll, from la at all no i'm not i actually grew up in south texas okay. and uh when i sold my vehicle and i moved to la uh when i was for around the big 19. dream for the big dream i i wanted to i wanted to i wanted to see how movies were made uh i remember matt damon was um shooting a film in my hometown when i was growing up and it was like this it was this, this like aura around it that was like captivating you know um but yeah i'd run out of money Long story short, I ended up, you know, in an apartment with a bunch of roommates and I worked at a coffee shop and, um, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a go-getter. I always try and, I always try and make things better and build things. And at the time, my, the owner of my coffee shop was struggling. It was a coffee shop in Glendale, California, and he was having a hard time getting customers. And I said, Hey man, I want to make you a video. And if you can pay to put it on cable TV, I think I can get your coffee shop packed. And he says, are you make a video? Like, how are you going to make a video? I said, well, my neighbor, my neighbor in my apartments has a camera. At the time, it was the XL1, the Canon XL1, which is oh, like, a wow. it's like a relic at this point. But um, I, I didn't even, you know, I didn't have camera gear. I didn't have an editing system. I didn't even freaking know how I was going to do it. But I told my boss, I'm like, dude, if you let me make this commercial. I know we can help grow the business. And so he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I, I literally that night went to my neighbor, knocked on his door and I said, Hey, Brian, 
this is a really cool kid, by the way. He did all the videos for the transplants for um for uh, uh um, band for the band, yeah. The transplants, yeah, dude. He did all their warp tour videos. He um it was Brian Hodges and Brian Martinez. Shout out to you guys from Fresno, like um, and Derek Leininger, just three just super awesome, super like important people in my life. To this day, they would laugh if they ever if they hear this because they probably don't realize how much I appreciated those guys. Um, but yeah, they, they were the, the neighbors down the hallway and I knocked on their door and I was like, dude, Brian, like, can I, can you help me with your camera? Like, can I borrow your camera to shoot this video? Uh, yeah, he worked, they worked for like Travis Barker and, um, I don't remember the, you know, the drummer from blink and like, uh, wow. um, the whole crew of the transplants. Yeah, dude, they were all tatted up. just like super cool kids. But I was like, dude, like, can, uh, can I borrow your camera? And he's like, wow, like you can't, I actually, you know, it might've been a PD 150, but anyway, long story short, he's like, well, you know, I can't really lend it to you, but I can come with it. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude, let's do this. Even so, better. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so like, anyway, I ended up like, you know, dressing the coffee shop with like coffee beans, got some poinsettias, we made some sandwiches, we did all this stuff and we shot this commercial and we, we ended up running it on cable TV on, it was called charter communications at the time. And it exploded. It just took off. The coffee shop went from doing like three, four hundred a day to like three thousand a day in sales. Whoa, whoa! And so in that process, there was this uh, this awesome guy named Dean Miyashiro, um, who was a patron, and he he came in one day and he's like, "Who made that commercial?" And I'm sitting there making his cappuccino, you know. And I was like, "Well, I did, you know. Like, it was really a fun project." And he's like, "You're kidding me?" I said, "No, dude." I totally stole that stop motion idea from a Burger King commercial they do with a sandwich. You know, he's dying. He was laughing. He's like, dude, you made that commercial. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, here's my business card. I actually happened to be a, a rep for charter communications. Um, he, he would call these commercial spots. You know, he's like, I'm producing a spot next week. And I was wondering if maybe you could help me with it. And just like that, Philip swear on my life. Bam. I ended up doing hundreds of commercials. No way, man. Hundreds. So I went from being this lowly, I don't want to say lowly, from being this struggling barista, right? Scrubbing yeah. toilets, literally scrubbing toilets, doing anything I could, begging for tips. 12 to roommates. <laughs> 12 roommates. Oh my gosh. The drama, the stories of, of, of that were just, I could go on about it. But, you know, I, 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 I worked hard. I did a good job at everything I did. I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes to this day, but. I try to do a good job. And so that was my first, you know, freelancing. Uh, that was my foray into freelancing. And I've never looked back. Um, so I know it was a long story, but but no, that, was that was my first. Dude, that was yeah. perfect. Especially because it was such a great experience, which probably became a shock when suddenly it went bad, which is what I want to get to. When was your first bad experience after that adventure started? Wow. Do you remember like the first time you somebody ever uh, creeped on the scope of work and you're like, ah, and because you want to be, because it seems like you're a personable guy. So you probably like, a lot like myself like to be liked, but that doesn't work all the time in business. You know, what's really interesting, Philip, in the film business, it, you're, you're just, you're dealing with, with sharks constantly. Really? You're dealing with somebody in the, in the film in the entertainment business, dude, you're like going to get shanked at any moment by anybody you're dealing with. It's just like totally a shit business between you and I. 
Um, never know if you're going to get paid. Never know when you're going to get paid. Never know how you're going to get paid. Never know who's running game, who's hustling you, who's doing what. It's like, it's it's intense, dude. Oh, that business. first that first project. Did you have to chase the money after you did the spot with him? Well, the truth is, he didn't pay me. Oh. Um, I did it on spec, but that was fine because look what it did for me. Sure. He, he sure. didn't pay me. Uh, I think he. I think he like you know maybe gave me an extra 50 bucks or something, but it wasn't like a, a contract or anything. Right. It was like this idea I had as an employee. Um, but I gotta be honest, like I didn't experience this nasty, like scope creep stuff in the film business. It was just, it was just assumed that the film business was going to be cutthroat and ruthless. Uh, um, good, good point. Same for actors. They expect that too. Most that's probably, that's part of the reason I quit was I was just like, what's the point man you're either going to run into pervs or you're going to be dirt poor until you're not dude so so for me in the film business my struggle was distribution and some could argue well all my movies were shit and they sucked but i i made movies i produced movies uh feature films full-length feature films some of them got distribution many of them didn't um, I produced TV shows. I pr- produced pilots, music videos, a bunch of really cool, like really fulfilling creative work. But I couldn't get accepted into the group that could actually do something with them. Mm-hmm. So some could argue that I didn't know the right people. Some could argue that my stuff sucked, wasn't worth watching, which, hey, you know, that's a fair argument. But I, I, I couldn't really get accepted into that group where I could get any sort of play on anything I did. So I, 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 I withdrew. And I went into technology and I'm so glad I did. Um, <clears throat> I mean, look, some of my stuff is that has several million views. Some of the stuff I worked on has seen a life and done really well, but I never had that like wide theatrical release or that network show. Um, I came very close. I was involved in one project for many years that I thought had a lot of promise. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just an interesting business. But the reason I got into film on the production side was I wanted more control. I didn't want to be an actor being told what to do, begging for jobs, this and that. I wanted to have a little more control. So I got exactly. into producing, right? Yeah. When that didn't yield for me what I wanted, I had to reinvent myself and I got into technology and I taught myself HTML and CSS and, and marketing. Um, but but this, this issue that we're talking about today didn't really rear its ugly head for me, believe it or not until I got into designing websites and I'm talking specifically web design, not talking about SEO or marketing or pay-per-click, but the the web design process is where it got super crunchy for me early on. It got really messy um, with just people trying to take advantage of me, people trying to trick me, people trying to get me to do stuff. Uh, Boy, it was amazing. And, and I learned, I ended up having to hire a consultant to teach me how to have better boundaries, how to have better agreements, how to set better expectations. But even then, even with that arsenal of, of internal operations, of, 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 of agreements, of verbally setting expectations, it would still rear its head. And so there's just something about the web design process. I think it's this intangible thing that people that customers when they're buying those resources don't really fully understand how just how much work and time and thought and in many cases a little piece of your soul creatively you know goes into these things so it's like ripe 
for this disparity, right? For this, this, uh, th- this, this big difference between what a person, a customer is typically willing to pay for and what a freelancer or web designer charges, if that makes sense. I see. So you, would you, would you say that a lot of the confusion, is it just because people are malicious or are they just truly confused as to how much it really takes and don't appreciate the amount of work and the education and experience that was necessary to get you to a place where you could accept clients that they seem to be missing, which is what leads to such disparity between what their expectation is and what they're actually willing to invest in. Uh, answers work like here, I'll pay you, but only so much because it's just a website, right? That's how that's their logic. You think? Yeah. My nephew could do that. Right. Right. My, my right. 10 year old nephew could do that. Um, it's a really, really good question, Phil. I used to think that it was people, right? That 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 these people are screwed up. These customers are screwed up. That they just are just looking to just put the screws to someone, right? And so everything shifted for me when I did this website for this corporate psychologist. I won't mention his name because we didn't end up getting along all that well. Um, he's kind of a jerk. But this guy was really fascinating. He explained to me that his job is to go into major corporations and solve disputes between C-level executives. He wrote a book on it. It was a big book, actually. I'm not going to mention it. I don't like the guy. Sure. He, ended up, he ended up being the very freaking predator that he was telling me about, and it pissed me off. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you realize you're literally like this guy in this quadrant that you just educated me on? Like, you're a freaking asshole, dude. Um, but so he explained to me, that there's four kinds of people and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to butcher this, but my best recollection of it is there are mutual successors, which are pe- people fit into four primary categories. And this is how he like psychologically profiles these executives that he has, that he has to deal with their just internal disputes. There's mutual successors. There are enslavers and entrappers. There are dominators and there are uh, collaborators. Okay. So, so, the collaborators and the mutual successors, I believe one of those kind of splintered off into a more uh, contrasty type type person, you know, personality trait. But essentially, you have people who are willing to work with you um, for the highest good of all parties. Then you have enslavers and entrappers, which essentially they want to come up with some sort of scheme or specialized knowledge or gated system that no one else can understand or that's obfuscated. Or, obs- or obscure, right? That like they ha- they can pull all the levers on and no one can really do anything about it, which is interesting, Philip, because web designers tend to be made up largely by enslavers and entrappers. I Think was going to say, I was going to say, we can get back to that, but go on, I'll, tell, I'll tell you about that some more. But I want to hear the rest of them. <laughs> okay, okay. Then there's the dominator who just wants to freaking run over everyone, right? They're the rhinoceros that's just all about, you know, alpha male, alpha female, like I'm going to, you're going to do my bidding um, and I'm going to punk you and I'm going to own you prison style. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's the dominator. And then the collaborator, ah, I'm butchering this. Um, and we'll see if we can maybe provide a link to this guy's book in the, in the section of this, if people are interested, but the other one was kind of like, you know, they, they will cooperate to the extent of, of seeing the project through to completion. Right. So I always started to, after, you know, and this guy who taught me this ended up actually being more predatory. He ended up 
scope creeping me. He ended up refusing to pay my change orders. He ended up um, just lobbing a bunch of crap at him, at me until I ha- finally had to fire him. And Even though I had a flavor and trapper, he was more of like a, a dominator. The dominator, okay. Yeah, but he was like frail. He wasn't like physically ominous. He was kind of no, frail. No. Mentally, but, he was he was yeah. a bully. Yep, psychologically, he was a bully. He inundated my team. He insisted, you know, coming into my office unannounced to 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 you know just eat up a bunch of our time. Like it was a whole thing where I'm I'm literally like gobsmacked. I'm like, dude, you just taught me to look at people and understand where people are, what's making them tick and, and like how to kind of understand what bucket people go in. And you're literally one of the worst categories like you've talked about, <laughs> which it probably took that level of awareness for him to write a book about it. Right. Sure. Sure. I, I yeah. mean, wow. How ironic is that? It, it's amazing. But to, to, to more, more directly answer your question, I don't think it's entirely bad people or people with bad intentions that are taking advantage of folks. I think it's like this toxic soup of like not fully understanding what it is that you're doing. Like how could they respect your time if they don't fully understand what all goes into it? And, and you know, it doesn't help that we have all this downward pricing pressure in the web world with, you know, GoDaddy's ads that basically say free website or, you know, 99 cent domain, you know, instant Google rankings for $2, right? So there's all this like meeting the market on the marketing side to kind of meet that and, and to create that downward pricing pressure that I think spills over into the, into the psyche of, of your average client. Um, mm. You know, and, and, and I'll tell you, the other thing I've learned too is in web design projects, if you're dealing with business people, true business people who are seasoned, who are, have leather skin, who've been in the game, who've been smacked around, who've either, failed many times and are on the cusp of success or have succeeded and now they're into their next project or you know somebody who's running an actual company a functioning business with 10 employees or more a lot of times they don't have time to to eat up your time they're busy running their business they're accustomed and 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 like um they're conditioned to pay experts to get work done those are good customers a lot of this like grind that you see and a lot of this like it's abuse. Let me call it what it is. It's abuse. You'll find that in a lot of smaller entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, consultants, coaches, one-offs. I always had this thing where I tell my team, I'd say, guys and gals, if this client has like no customers, they're going to make us their entire focus. And they're going to eat us up and they're going to try and capitalize on all of our time. And they're going to try and control our every move because they're not running a business. They're sitting at home pretending to run a business and them running their business is beating up their web design team and they don't realize it. So I got to a point to where you were not qualified um, to, to have us you know, take on your project if you didn't have X amount of employees, X amount of revenue, X amount of years in business. I wasn't willing to deal with it. So that right there is a great way. And I'm not saying that it's not good to support solopreneurs. Um, you know, some you know they need help too. But a lot of those smaller clients, they they'd be better off and more well served taking a Squarespace YouTube uh, class, you know, or or uh, you know building their own WordPress site and not going into the market and interrupting a busy web designer or a busy web design company with you know 
with a demand that just can't be met, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And and to add to what you were talking about earlier, a lot of the people, myself as a freelancer that, I, that I've taken on for web design, they come from working with web designers who literally locked them out of their websites. They hosted on some strange host. It might have been a cPanel website, let's say, but it, it was it was done in a way where they were locked out and the only way that changes could be made was dependent upon the designer, which is like the the antithesis of the way I work. It's just wrong. It's just terrible. You know, but this is the enslaver and entrapper like mindset. How can I set something up that other people don't understand that I can control this dynamic with, right? Like it, this happens on both sides, right? Yeah. And that's, and that creates, that creates, that's almost like the, the swing in the fight, you know, that those yeah. people exist. Um, is, it's incredibly problematic. And you have entire companies, you have entire companies that have dominant and and entrapper personalities running those businesses, big companies. And you know what they do? They lock your domain. They make it incredibly painful just to move your domain. That's not, look, moving a domain is, is difficult in and of itself. But when you have to call a support line 17 times, get put on hold for an hour and a half each time, they tell you they unlocked your domain and you're welcome to move it. And then you go in and check it and ask to get unlocked again. And you can only do that by calling the company. It's brutal. Like it's that time is lost. Yeah. It, it's time lost. And it's just, you know what they've done. Someone on the business side has said, well, if we make this hard for them to leave, chances are X amount of percentage of them are just going to give up and not leave, which we're going to retain and have less churn. Right. It's all by design. Yeah. But this happens on both sides of the aisle. Um, so I've always tried to educate my clients about that. You know, GoDaddy, for example, is awesome at domain registration. They're awesome at some other stuff too, but I love GoDaddy for domain registration. It's killer. I love SiteGround for hosting. Even though SiteGround, in my opinion, has made a lot of mistakes very recently in terms <laughs> of how, how, dude, they moved away from their, they moved away from the classic cPanel. They're, they're working through it. I love those guys, but they're pissing a lot of people off right now with what they're doing. But, um, you know, I, I've always tell my clients, you need to own everything. And if you don't own it, I had a service called track down your credentials from your former webmaster service. Like it was literally like a line item in my proposals. Like, do you need help having me hunt down wherever the hell all this crap is and put it all in one thing for you and giving you a tech Bible? Like hey. nine out of 10 people were like, please, can you please do that? It's a real um, service. I mean, I can't tell you how many people need that because the truth is nobody ever gives a client their record of, of passwords, login, credentials, what everything is. All they knew was they had a website. It's amazing, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It just means they worked with people who they shouldn't, which made it difficult for us because then they go to the next person and they expect the same thing. Exactly. And then here you are, a person who runs their business with integrity or their freelance uh, journey with integrity. And, and you have to deal with the brunt of other people's mistakes or other people's preconceived notions psychologically. Absolutely. So, so tell me this. If there are people listening who may not be web designers, but they are freelancers or they're hoping due to the fact that the gig economy is like 
literally the only economy that exists right now for the most part. Uh, people who do have jobs happen to be in sort of the, the, the needed services, whether it's like grocery stores or um, what have you, uh, gas station attendants, you name it. Certain things are just necessary, right? Just like mm-hmm. uh, certain, certain businesses are open right now, but everybody else is struggling. They're on LinkedIn. Uh, they're taking courses wherever they can on Udemy or whatever, trying to build their skills, but have no idea how they should structure a proposal or they probably don't even know that they need to protect themselves even in the proposal. So if you were speaking to someone for the first time ever, look, hey, I'm about to go try and land some clients, well, no matter what they were doing, whether it's web design, uh, copywriting, any of, the, any of the traditional freelance graphic design, you know, freelance gigs, what would be the number one advice you would give to someone like that who's like ready to go get a client? They think they have their offering down but they don't know the trouble that they're in if they don't take care of it now. Mm. So there's going to be a little bit of meta circularity here to, to my answer. Um, Philip, I would say, and someone told me this years ago and it, it rattled me. I, I was like literally just paralyzed by, by this, this sentence this person told me, he said, Floyd, you are so good at what you do, if you just continue developing your talent and your gifts, you will have to do no advertising. You will have to do no marketing. People will seek you out. People from all around the world will seek you out without you having to go and promote yourself or spend a dollar on advertising. If you continue to focus on building your craft and your talent, people will seek you out because you do a damn good job. And that is going to carry you through your life. And it was a massive compliment. It was huge to me, but I thought, you know, cause I, I grew up poor. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't come from money. Um, I'm a high school dropout, dropped out of high school in ninth grade, um, started a little lawn mowing business and I mowed the best damn yard you'd ever, you know, see. Um, all I've ever had is my work, my work ethic and like doing a good job. It's literally what saved me. Um, it's what, kept me alive. I, you know, long story short, but I don't have a strong family, you know, didn't have a strong family unit growing up. Now I have a beautiful family and I'm so blessed, but like, I didn't have a lot of those foundational things. All I had was my, my work, which, you know, you could say your ego was, my ego was attached to that, but it was literally how I defined myself was being a hard worker and, and, and doing a good job. But I would say do a good job and focus on the work. If you focus on the work and you do a good job, the universe has this like just amazing way of giving you more work to sustain yourself, to feed your family, to feed yourself. A lot of people think, you know, how, how do I advertise or how do I attract good clients versus bad ones? Or how do I get a high paying job? And the truth is, it sounds really simple, but do a good job. The other side of that is when you know you're going to do a good job, when you know you're going to bring it Will Smith style, you're going to show up a thousand percent. You're going to freaking work your face off and no one will ever be able to do as good as you. That comes with the responsibility of taking care of yourself, honoring yourself, not putting up with bullshit from bullies who want to push you around and make you feel like you're not worth anything. Right? So that confidence of knowing that when you hire, Philip for a job, when you hire Floyd for a job, that they're going to show up a thousand percent, right? That comes with that, that responsibility. It's the old, uh, 
it's the old Rockefeller quote. I believe every right implies a responsibility, every opportunity and obligation and every possession a duty. That, that was something that my fourth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Roundtree, made me write on the chalkboard every time I got in trouble, which is why I remember it now. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you got in trouble a lot. <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble a lot. I got in trouble for talking in class. So here I am talking, you know, probably talking too much, but I believe that um, the more, the more vocal we are about this issue, the more people it's going to resonate and strike a chord with and uh, ultimately help them because the, the struggle in the freelance side is strong. Being afraid of pricing, being afraid of commanding the right amount of money, being afraid that um, you're not worth it or that. Uh, somebody won't pay you or that if you charge your fair share, you won't get hired. These are all illusions. These are all, these are all, um, these are ideas and concepts that are oppressive. Um, anyone who, who is in business for any amount of time uh, is, 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 is stoked to pay a quality person who will do a good job and see stuff through the end and, uh, and sweep the corners. There's this old thing about sweeping the, you know, you're, you're, if you're going to sweep a room, sweep the corners, make sure there's not one little piece of dust in, in that corner, do the best job you can. And so as it relates to pricing and positioning and getting that deal done, I say, do a good job in any opportunity you're given early on, and that will carry you through your career. Um, my little commercial at the coffee shop. I wasn't paid to do that, but I did the best damn job I could. I remember we edited on Adobe Premiere. This is pre Final Cut Pro uh, blowing up. Um, now it's so funny. Final Cut's gone and Premiere is like crushing it. Um, this was back in what, the 90s? Like, uh... Oh my God. This is like, this is like, this is like late 90s, maybe 2000, something like that. <laughs> just amazing i remember the lakers won the the lakers won i was on sunset boulevard uh my 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 canadian friend uh rented a limo and we were hanging out <laughs> the, the the sunroof on a, on a limo on sunset when the lakers won the, the the finals you know uh i think so it must have been 2000 um wow. or, or right around there yeah so yeah. instilling a strong sense of work ethic would be the first thing you would do to, you would tell a freelancer to really take into consideration before, before doing anything, if they've got their offering, they think, and all that, the, the most important thing you can tell them to do is whatever you do, be ready to do it 100%. Exactly. Like, okay. like uh, Dave Ramsey says, gazelle intensity, like a cheetah's chasing you. You mm -hmm. want to do the best damn job you can in those early projects. You want, so do it, you want to do it. You want to do it on all projects, but like you got to bring it when you're getting into a space and you're and you're looking to compete and you're looking to command a good price. You need to bring it. Mm. So if somebody's never had a client before, uh, how how would they petition for a client? Let's say uh, if if you had to think of today's landscape and you were just getting started and you don't know how you're going to get a client, but you know, you need to start working independently because the job market is down. Are you going to, you're going to lean back on your skills and say, this is what I can do. Where would you look for clients? Would you ask everyone, you know, first, would you go online? What, what is it that you would do? You know, I would, I, I believe, I believe in, in, in just being really open. 
And I believe if you pick up the phone, the phone is so underutilized. Cold calling is like so underutilized in this whole internet thing. Um, I would call businesses and I would straight up say, hi, Mr. Lan- Mr. Jones Landscaping. My name is Floyd Mitchell. I would really like to start a career in the internet. And I've taken a course from XYZ person. I would like to test th- the things I've learned. Would you please give me a shot, a small project, anything that I could do to help your business grow? Simple. Nobody's doing it. Nobody does it. You know, business owners wear a lot of hats. And if you can take one of those hats and put it on for a window of time for them, and you can clearly present that to them, that you're there to be a creative, you're there to be supportive and helpful, they'll pay you, right? They'll, they'll pay you and they'll give you a shot. There's so many people that love that humility. They love that energy and they're business people too, right? So they see that it's your foray, that you're being open. You're saying, I'm trying to step into something and tell them your story. I have a, I have a child I'm trying to feed. Um, I'm trying to take care of myself. I went to college and can't do anything with my degree, but I'm, wa- I'm wanting to be of service and I'm wanting to be of value. Can I please help you? I can do Facebook posts for you. And once you like that, maybe I can, maybe I can write an article for your website. Once you like that, maybe I can do a Fiverr gig for you and help you design some cool stuff for one of your web pages, right? It's all about it's all about just like be honest and like tell people where you're at and communicate and ask. If you don't ask, you're never going to get it. It's amazing how many people just don't ask. Okay, I like that because I I've I've literally been there myself when I first started, and that's exactly what I did, and surprisingly it works. Um, the thing that I that's actually how I started getting too many people uh, that wanted me to do things for very little just because I was starting out. So where do you draw the line where you're starting out so you're cutting your teeth? Do you just let anybody pay you whatever they're willing to pay you? Or when do you really find a place where you start looking at your work and saying, okay, I can do good work. So now I need to start asking for a good price. Here's the blueprint, Philip. Start at a modest hourly rate, something below market. Start at $25 an hour. It's going to be tough. You're going to have people referring you to other people that are like, wow, this guy's like 25 bucks an hour. He's amazing. Stay humble. Fulfill all the agreements that you agree to, but put them in a box. I'm going to work for $25 an hour for this quarter for 90 days. Okay. This is how I bill. This is what I'm going to do. I'll even give you a sample contract that you can share with people, Philip. Um, start at 25 an hour, track your time, give full transparency, be honest about it and set expectations early on that that rate is for 90 days. That rates for six months that they will receive an email when your rate increases, because it will, you can say, look, I'm, I I'm worth at least 50 or worth at least 35, but I'm going to start at 25. I just, this is where I'm at in my career, but I'm told that my value of what I do is worth a lot more. So there will be a period of time where I send an email out to all my clients about my rate increase. For those of you that love my work and want to stick with me, I'll be honored. For those of you that it doesn't make business sense for, I get that too. No problem. So you do as much work as you can do in a a week. If you can do 80 hours at $25 an hour, I mean, you're talking, there's money there, right? Yeah. You can do 60 hours, 25 an hour. There's money there. Get busy. Do a good job. And as you start to get referred, folks, you're, you're, in aggregate, you're going to have so many people 
right? Five or 10 or 20 clients that you told, this is an intro rate. This is an early rate. This rate is going to go up and it will be announced via email, a bulk email to everybody. You know, and 90 days or whatever that timeline is, once you feel comfortable that you have a lot of work and you can lose half of them, run the numbers, do the math in your head, do the math on a spreadsheet. Say, okay, I have 20 customers that are paying me 25 an hour. I'm going to send this email out, increasing my rate to 50 an hour. I'm going to lose 50 to 75% of those people. What's incredible is the 25% that are left are going to cover all the, all the, all the money that the other 75 uh... Easy math. You you lose half, but you also doubled your price. That's right. And guess what? Your time is freed up. And if you're charging like, I'm not, I'm not talking financially charging. I'm talking charging, like running, like heart pounding, like a gazelle. And you're at 50 an hour. You're going to, you're going to get another 15 customers because people, people know people, people, that's a dumb, dumb thing to say, but like good people will refer you more good people. I know and I'm exactly not, what you and, mean. Yeah. And I'm not saying the low paying clients aren't good because there's a lot of good people that just can't afford higher rates. But but as you kind of get those like star clients, they will start to refer you, especially if you ask them, hey, hey, Molly, I've done a good job for you. Will you send me a couple of your friends? Hey, John, did a good job for you, man. I want to know more people like you. Can you refer me to three or four people or 10 people, please? Can you can you mention me the next time you're you're you know, business meeting with your colleagues or your, your peers. I, I have to admit, I've never asked anyone for a referral. Dude, it's so powerful. <laughs> it's so powerful. Like an awesome hack. A lot of people don't know about is your best customer. The one that pays you good. That doesn't bother you. That trusts you. That sees it as a partnership that respects your time. and doesn't call you on holidays or at night or on weekends. Call those people and say, will you please tell some of your friends and colleagues about me, please? You'd be shocked at how much that can power up your, your, your freelance career. But yeah, that's what you do. You basically, you set the expectations that, that there will be a rate hike, that they're getting an intro deal. And then you, you build your roster. And then once it's time for the rate hike, you send the email out and you ask, can I get a commitment from you to move forward at my new rate? Yes or no. I need to understand my, my roster because my demand is increasing and I'm getting new opportunities every week. So I need to know, are you in to continue, you know, having me support you in this, in this role or not? You're going to lose 50 to 75% of them. It's okay. A lot of times you will make money on the deals you don't take, Ooh, right? You will good. make money on the deals. You start saying no people. Okay. Everybody out there listening, say no, try saying no to the next 10 things that somebody offers you to do. If they want you to do a logo for 50 bucks or a website for 800 bucks, say no, I'm busy. I love you, but no, I, I can't do that. Sorry. You'd be shocked. Because when you say no enough times, the universe kind of listens to that and it'll be like, oh, okay. Well, you weren't willing to eat all that fruit. Let me try and give you a different fruit. Let me give you a, a tangerine because you said no to everything else. Right? Yeah, I, I hear a lot of like a like deep spirituality perspective to to business and and life from you. Do, do you feel like that mentality has helped you a lot in, in your journey to, to the successful life that you have? I mean, you have a beautiful family, a home, uh, you're, you're doing well in a time when most people are not, you know, and, 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 and 
on top of that, you, your creativity hasn't at all dulled from the last time I saw you to where, to where you are now. It's like we're picking up right where we left off. So I imagine you're in good spirits or you always keep your head on straight. Do you, does spirituality play a lot of role? Like I'm not speaking religion per se because, you know, that can be dicey for people. But there seems to be a deep connection to the everything around us with you. Is that, is that something that keeps you up during these uh, tumultuous times and, and things of that nature? You know, Philip, I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked that because I believe that, that everything in life is about, about spirituality and your spirit, the human spirit, the human condition. Um, I, I, have, I have faced a tremendous amount of suffering in my life. Um, my childhood was very tumultuous, very um, difficult. And in that process, it forged this really strong sense of self. Um, it was terrifying. It was difficult. It was extremely challenging, but it made a tenderness about me. It made a sensitivity about me that has served me really well. Um, people say, you know, you're, you're, you're emotionally intelligent, Floyd. Your, your emotional intelligence is off the charts. You are very empathetic. Um, you're, you know, you're always seeing things from other people's points of view. Uh, if they only knew what where that sensitivity stemmed from and what forged and created that, they'd probably cry hearing hearing the true story of like, you know, what developed that in me. But I see it as as just beautiful. And I see every moment as beautiful. Even the good and the bad. You know, you slice your finger on a piece of paper or or what have you, right? It's all it's all an opportunity to be present, to to accept that life is not always perfect right it's the good and the bad they say you gotta have cracks to let this to let the light in you know um mm-hmm. so I, I believe that i believe as it relates to art and creativity that that um the trials and tribulation and, and pain and suffering and all that um it it bleeds the best art it creates the best um uh innovation i think you know comes from problems and challenges but yeah, spirituality is a really important piece, and it's not something that you'll hear a whole lot about in uh, in the sterile business textbooks. You know, they're very like kind of numbers and, and operations driven. But um, at the end of the day, how we treat each other, um, how we how we engage, and how we interact with the world is so important. I mean, now. Here we are. What is this? Uh, September 2020. Look at the world. So we're facing so many challenges. And, you know, part of this sticking up for yourself as a freelancer and not getting bullied and not getting made. I had this story. It, it, it damn near brought me to tears. I have all these people because I, I did this Instagram post about how to avoid bad clients. I, I was telling you earlier, you know, I had somebody, uh, I've had people write me messages on Facebook and say, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, mm. and I try to, you know, I try to be like cool and like respond to people, even though half of them are spam. Um, I'll be like, yeah, you know, you know, on a Saturday night, I'll go and kind of clear my backlog and I'll be like, yeah, I'm good, whatever, you know. But one kid like writes me, he's like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, um, I'm good. <laughs> how are you? He's like, uh, I've been better. And then I just kind of like didn't really engage further. And a couple of days later, he wrote, I have a really terrible um, web design client. I was like, well, that's curious. Why is this stranger writing me about a bad? I was like, oh crap. I made that Instagram post about, about 
bad web design clients, right? So like, it's so funny. Now I'm looking back and seeing all these messages and I'm like, dude, I forgot I even did that. That was an exercise. Big shout out. Uh, what's his handle? Is it the Chris Doe? The Chris Doe, yeah. The Chris Doe. Guy's killer, man. It's just leading with value. Just a really genuine, extraordinary person. Love that guy. Um, so I, you know, this is an exercise. I was like, okay, I'm going to try the Ada model and make a carousel on Instagram. I ended up doing it about this topic. Um, this kid asks me, he says, he says, uh, can you talk? And I said, let me guess you're messaging me because you saw my post on bad web design clients. He goes, exactly. How did you know? And I'm like, well, you're a stranger. Long story short, Philip, this kid has a disability. He's 21 years old. Um, he lives in London. And he's in a situation with a customer who um, is just beating him up. Um, little like web physically, design. Pro- physically hitting him? No, 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 no. In business, you know, he's taking advantage of him. Gotcha. It's like a 700 pound project, which would be the equivalent of like, I don't know, maybe 900 bucks US dollars. Uh-huh. It's gone on for seven months. The guy oh. insists that he meet him at coffee shops for hours upon end, calls him at night. You know, it just, it's just pulling the wings off of butterflies. Yeah. And this kid, this kid tells me, well, what is your advice? My mom and dad, cause they have to drive me to these meetings. He's 21 years old, but his parents have to take him to the meetings. He's like, what do I do? This guy is just, he, he's awful. Like I, he's like, I started, he told me that he, that his, the client told this kid, that his girlfriend left him because his website was so bad. Okay. And, and, this, and this kid's telling me, he's like, is it, is it possible that I could have really caused a breakup in his relationship because of the website? I'm like, dude, no, this is a monster you're dealing with. He's emotionally just, abusing this kid and paying him pennies. Yep. And I think, I think he didn't even pay him the last of the balance. And, and he didn't is, even pay that up front? No. Oh, get this. The kid tells me he he also insisted that I pay for two months of his hosting on my own debit card because his he had to order a new credit card because it got stuck in the ATM machine. Oh, I'm like, I'm like dying. Kid, I'm dying hearing this story, dude. I'm like, bro, you gotta, you gotta get you gotta this guy, you gotta get this guy out of your life. And so he literally he wrote an email of the parting ways. Here's all your keys to everything, you know, good luck. And I said, send it. He's like, okay, my mom and dad helped me prove it. They thought it was good. I said, send it. And here's what you're going to do. I'm going to send you my agreement. Um, and I'm going to help this guy, you know, I'm going to help him any way I can, like, and just giving him some infrastructure and some operations type stuff. But like this stuff happens, man. I've heard so many stories. In fact, I look back at like my worst customers and I'm like, they were never that bad. Having a good, strong agreement is so important. It's how you sleep at night. It's how you have boundaries, right? It's how you focus on the work and not get mired down in the stuff that doesn't matter. And there's clingy clients. There's some clients that have terrible boundaries. They want to talk to you about their divorce. They, you know, they want to eat up your time. You know what I'm talking <laughs> Tell me about. Tell me that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> Dude. We've had, we had this one super weird, like tennis coach, dude, we, we used to crack so many jokes in the office about him, but he would come in and is like wearing these really weird, like wind shorts and like sit really close to us and like try and do just like 
dude, so bad. He was the first client we fired when we raised our rates too, because he was terrible. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to sit over our shoulder the entire time we were working. And we're like, cool, man, you can continue to do that. It's $300 an hour. And what? You feel like an attorney. We sure do. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to have to find another team, aren't I? You sure are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, having an agreement is really important, really important. And don't do fixed price contracts, everybody with web design. Stop doing that because you're, you're hurting yourself. Do time and materials. Do not to exceeds. Do bundled pricing, but don't do a fixed price agreement on something that you don't understand the scope of. The worst is when you do a fixed price agreement on a web design project. You say, yeah, I'll do it for $2,500. The client's like, awesome. I'll be dropping off my hard drive tomorrow with 11,000 photos on it that all need to be gone through, organized, renamed, resized, compressed, redesigned, color corrected, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and by the way, there's another page on the inner side of our website that has 75 PDFs on it that have to be migrated over and translated into, into links and have thumbnail images designed for, right? You know what I'm talking about, Philip? Yeah, yeah. So you I, need to I have mean, a- <laughs> That happens to me to this day. <laughs> Dude, you, need, you need to have an agreement that's like a shock absorber that plans and calls for those things. This price is based on what I understand of your project based on our discussions. Anything outside of these areas will be scoped, charged, deposit received, scheduled, and then delivered, right? Just having a change order policy in your web projects will change your life. I used to think, oh my gosh, but they're already paying me so much at 2,500. What? I just want to absorb it. I just want to take care of it. No. Do a good job on the stuff that you have scoped, but there's only four ways to lose money in web design, Philip. Can I tell you what they are? Please do. There's only four ways. There's not five. There's not three. There's four. Not scoping the project properly. Scope creep, okay? Not issuing change orders. Over-delivering. Not managing your subs properly. Not managing the costs of your subcontractors. So not scoping properly, not issuing change orders, over-delivering, and then not managing your costs on your subcontractor side. That's the only four ways you can lose money in web design. So stop doing those things where you're losing money. Scope the job properly. Issue change orders when new stuff is brought up that's outside of scope. Don't over-deliver. Deliver what's to the agreement and do the best damn job you can. Do a better job than anyone else to those items in the agreement. And lastly, if you bring on a copywriter or a designer or a somebody or whatever, use these principles we're sharing in this episode and everything you've learned to date to make sure you manage those people properly so that you don't have cost overruns, so you don't have misaligned expectations or get whacked with a big bill in the end. Put it in a box, define it, tell them to scope it. Tell them to not over-deliver. Tell them to issue you a change order if something changes. These principles should be all part of your ecosystem and everybody should be sharing these because that's what's going to make the industry better. Um, but yeah, a good contract will solve to those four things. A good contract, you know, will, will solve all four of those issues. Even your contract with your, with your subcontractor, with your copywriter or your graphic designer or your SEO specialist or whoever. 
What would and you say so, to someone who gets after you and says, this is too complicated. I don't know if I want to work with you. In the, in the scoping process or the agreement side of in, stuff? In the, in the general event that someone hears, they want to work with you because they were referred to you, but then they see your entire process is, is very formal. You have this, this paperwork, you have this, you have this agreement for this. Is that, a, is that a red flag off the bat if they're not willing to do that? 100%. Let them leave. Let them go. And chalk it up to the universe, to you training the universe to give you more of what you want and less of what you don't. Let me mm. ask you a question, Philip. Yeah. When you stopped working for this guy that was basically scope creeping you, how many more customers just like him did you get? After I pushed him away, yeah, I, I, I have not come across somebody who bothers me the same way anymore. The can I tell you set my boundary. Can I tell you something? Yeah. If you would have continued to work for him, do you know what would have happened? No, let me take a guess. More people like him? <laughs> you would have gotten more people just like him. And I can say that with every bit of confidence that that's exactly what would happen. Why do you think A-listers become A-listers in the movie business? Because they turn down B and C and D projects. And they turn them down and they'll go years without working sometimes in some, in some cases because they want to do something that's quality and they want to do something that, that's right where they get honored, where they get the right role, they get the right compensation. It, it, a lot of this is bending the universe to your will. It's being intentional and it's understanding what it is you're willing to accept. The universe doesn't care how big or small it is. It's going to give you what you want. Every single time without fail. Mm. So say no more. Say no when it doesn't meet your needs. Don't be fearful. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Say no and watch what happens. Give yourself, give yourself that. Honor yourself. If something doesn't feel right, if you put a bid on something for 2000 bucks and they tell you they'll pay you 200 Say, that's very thoughtful of you. I really appreciate that. But I, I have to decline your offer. Be respectful. Be thoughtful about it. Be kind. But, you know, I use the word wow. You know, you know wow is the word mom upside down. Wow. So when somebody does that and they say to you, well, you know, <clears throat> you're asking for $2,000 for this web design project, but my nephew can do it. He's 11. And he knows Squarespace or he knows Wix. Um, so I can give you 200 or 300, but I, I can't pay you 2000 instead of you engaging and responding very quickly say, wow, um, it's a stop word. It, it, it's a, it's a pattern disruptor. It stops the, the, the flow and it gives you a second to think, wow, I really appreciate that offer. Um, I, unfortunately what I scope the job at is what it's going to take me to do it based on, uh, my value in the market and my experience. So um, I'm happy to refer you to some other people. Maybe you, you might want to consider running a Craigslist ad or have your nephew do it. But what I, what I presented to you was what it would take for me to do your project. And let them go away. If it doesn't make sense, let them go away. To people, look, people oftentimes will take those lower jobs, those lower paying jobs. And what's really bad, Philip, is those lower paying jobs are like riddled with bigger issues 
Oh, you, so you take the you take the bounty, you do get a hundred dollar deposit on a two hundred two hundred dollar job. And they're like, oh, and by the way, um, my domain name is over at web.com and it needs to be moved to GoDaddy before we start anything. Well, there you go. You're on the four hundred second, four hundred minute phone call time vacuum, just trying to help the client get their domain into a fashion where you can deal with it. Um, and those those lower paying clients, what they'll do is they'll try and like start you really low because they know you're really looking at a $10,000 job that you bid 2000 on, but they start you at 200 so that by the time you change order them and, and scope it, or, you know, by the time you, you get into it, it's going to be 2000 and they know that, but they're not going to tell you that. So, you know, it's just, it's really important to stick to your guns and to have faith and trust that by saying no, to the projects that don't fit the good ones will show up. They really will. That's huge, man. Uh, it's definitely something that I'll take to heart myself uh, saying no more comfortably. It sounds like what you're saying to me is the experiences that you've had with all the bad experiences have, have allowed you to prepare questions to a client before you ever even agree to work while you're talking about work, do you fire off questions like, okay, well, where's your domain now? Uh, do you have all the assets, the images and the copy that we're going to be using for the website? You get all these things to qualify where the client is before you deliver a proposal. Is that, is that what you do? Can I do a little uh, shameless self-plugging here, Philip? Yeah. Yeah, please do. I mean, I know that that's not the intention of this podcast, but no, it's not of this, of this episode, but I built a web design cost calculator. No way. Yeah. It has 200 questions in it. That's huge. Dude, it saved my life. It saved my life. It was, let me, let me just rattle off a couple of the questions. I don't have it up in front of me, but it's like, do you have a domain name? Do you need help finding a domain name? Do you need your domain name transferred? Do you need us to organize all your domains into one account for you so that you can manage them easier? Do we need to track down your domain name from a rogue web designer who's uncooperative? Do we need to, um, you know, like, do we need to help you in the naming of your company? Do you need a logo? Do you need a brand identity pack? Okay. So that's all the kind of, you know, naming stuff. And there's a lot more questions in there. Um, do you need a website? Does that website need to be editable by you or multiple people on your team? Do you need access control lists and staff permissions and stuff like that? Um, you know, do you need graphic design done on that website? Does that website need search engine optimization? Do you need photography? If you do, are you supplying the photos? If not, will you give us a budget to purchase the photos? How many photos do you want? Do you have files that need to be downloaded like PDFs and other files and PowerPoints and whatever that your customers or visitors may need on your website? Um, you know, do you need, do you need a custom page design? You know, uh, you know, your design process, do you need a little bit of design input? A moderate amount of design input? Do you need a ton of design input where you're involved pixel by pixel for every little piece of detail and minutia? Or do you want to just trust us to design something nice based on our portfolio of work you've seen? That question alone can swing $10,000. I would tell clients, if you trust me to do the design, it's $0 for this piece of the agreement. If you want a little bit of design, it's 1000 bucks. If you want a moderate amount, it's 2500 if you want full tear sheet, wireframes, comps, uh, layouts, you know, the whole UI UX treatment, it's ten thousand. It starts at ten thousand, and it's a time and materials. They could end up being twenty or thirty, right? So we ask all these questions, and those questions 
Show your potential customer that you have a process and higher paying customers will invest more money in knowing that that process is going to solve their problem. When they see that operationally you're sound and you have a process and a journey to take them to what they desire, the good clients are willing to pay more when they, when they see that process because it builds, it instills a sense of confidence. It tells them they're dealing with a true professional that knows what they're doing. On your side, in the sales process, using this calculator, you're giving your customers choice. I used to always say it's offering choice. Nobody wants a $10,000 bill for something they don't understand what it is. But what's, what's amazing, what's amazing, Philip, is when you go through this exercise with your clients on web design stuff, you could get a $700 job or you could get a $70,000 job. And at the end of the day, the customer will be 100% satisfied with the scoping process, with the amount of money and what they pay you because they were a participant in that journey. They got to decide if they wanted to buy their own stock photos and supply them to you, or if they wanted to pay you 1500 bucks to have you spend all the time it takes to go and find good photos and license them and do the agreements and download them and compress them, right? They, they, they like this thoroughness. So let's say you go all the way through my calculator, which I'm going to have to figure out a way to make this available to your audience. Uh, we won't even sell it to them. We'll just give it to them. They're going to need a Formstack account because I just ported it over from Wufu to Formstack. Uh, I've been with Wufu for a bazillion years. I was one of their first <laughs> customers. Like literally, I have, I have invoices from 2007 from those guys. But wow. yeah, but Wufu won't let you share forms cross accounts. Uh, um, Formstack will. So my partner, Matt, um, actually helped me migrate this, this uh, calculator into Formstack. We're going to give it to your audience for free. Let's implore them to use it. Unfortunately, they will, or fortunately, they'll have to have a Formstack account, but I think they're pretty cheap um, these days. Um, but basically, if, if you go through this exercise for web design clients and you end up at $700 total, what you're going to do is for 700 bucks is you're going to buy a domain, you're going to install WordPress, you're going to connect it, you're going to add a logo, you're going to change the navigation and do a couple things on a homepage. And that shouldn't be more than 700 bucks anyway. You should be able to do that in two or three hours. But you make $700. That's 200, 300 bucks an hour, right? Whatever the math is. That's good money. Right. And anytime they want to do anything out of scope, you just say, well, you know what? We went through the calculator and you said no to all those things. I'm happy to go back and do all the cart and scope them. You saw the numbers. They'll be like, okay, yeah, let's go do that. All right, cool. There's another 450. I can do that in an hour. Start making money. Most web designers have a profitability issue because they don't thoroughly scope projects. I am so glad you asked that, Philip, because that really is the answer to solving a lot of issues that most freelancers and web designers face is not going through that exercise early on. Wow. No, I can see how that makes a big difference because as I start building my processes out now, I've noticed my interactions with clients have been different. So. I can see why having something that robust would change everything because someone told me a long time ago, documentation beats conversation 99% of the time. Boy, that's so true. You can always just point back to the paper. Hey, this is what we talked about. Absolutely. And people will conveniently develop amnesia 
as it relates <laughs> as it relates to, to money, right? Document yeah. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this calculator is powerful, man. It literally took me from scratching my head. The other side of this too is I started running new projects, new scoping, new scopes through it. And I was getting eight and ten thousand dollars for jobs just by going through the exercise that I that Floyd Mitchell would have only charged twenty five hundred for. I started exponentially growing my revenue while satisfying my clients. They loved it. They loved the process. They're like, sure. Okay, we don't need a lot of design input. We'd rather spend money on the SEO side. Or we don't need SEO. We just need a portal that serves our clients. Let's invest a little more on the file uh, portal side of the website. Let's not worry about SEO. We don't need all that stuff. In fact, we don't even need any of the domain stuff. Our engineers will set up a subdomain for you. Right. So offering that choice, you do many things in that process. You give your clients confidence, you protect your business, you set expectations, you show them that you're detailed and organized and a bad client, they will be resistant to that calculator. They, they'll avoid that Zoom meeting. They'll avoid going through that exercise because they're looking for someone that they can take advantage of. They won't even go that deep into your funnel because they're like, nope. I want somebody who's going to take the bait at 400 bucks and do everything I want them to do. And also give me some advice about my divorce or, you know, what, whatever, like improper boundaries I have. Right. Like those people are the worst. And this, this, this process this this calculator thing. Uh, it helps you avoid those people. No, I love that, man. I, I think, I think I want to title this episode, something along the lines of a freelancers and a client's choice right? because that's really the power behind everything that you're talking about as far as i could tell is that they're the power of choice for a client that's just really what it comes down to and your choice to to develop those processes or not right and yeah. that's 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 huge man honestly uh, the, the red carpet's out for you floyd is there anything you want to talk about you particular that you want to direct anyone who's listening to this to, to for a website to go to or uh a social media account that you want them to follow or to join your newsletter list somewhere uh you know i i don't i mean sure sure i i really don't want to send the wrong message to the audience this this is really about about solving, you know, solving a problem and sharing some insight into somebody who's experienced uh, making a lot of mistakes running a web design business. But if this resonates with you all and you have any interest in, in really knowing uh, what I'm doing, you can take a look at at geolandingpages.com. Um, it's it's a it's a piece of software that that uh, that I've developed. Uh, I have a very strong team. Uh, I have an awesome partner. Uh, I have two really awesome partners, uh, both on the engineering side, um, Keith and Matt on the, uh, the business side. Um, you guys will see them all over the website. You'll see, you know, different stuff. If you get on that rabbit hole and kind of check us out, but geo landing pages is a WordPress SEO utility that helps you produce city specific pages at scale while, um, adhering to Google's best practices. Um, it's purely white hat and it's awesome. And while on this topic, Philip, I'll say of all my years of running an agency business, geo landing pages were the most profitable line item on my books. They were the, the single thing that my clients got the most excited about us delivering for them. 
there's just some magic about it. There's just some magic about producing like 20 city pages that look killer, that rank really well, in many cases, number one, um, almost always on page one for your key for for you know whatever your money keywords are if you do it right. But uh, I have a whole 21 video course. It's about four and a half to five hours in length. That's at learn.geolandingpages.com. In my course, I have all kinds of freebies like a sales kit, uh, a sample agreement you can use. Um, I teach you how to make the pages and how to leverage my software to drive uh, more results for your clients in the way of SEO. And uh, you know, I've got some awesome people that have, uh, you know, industry leaders. I did an interview last week with Kyle Roof. He's invited me into his internet marketing gold uh, platform, which we're super stoked on. And uh, just some big people in the industry. Uh, in terms of SEO, there's no one bigger than Kyle, in my opinion. Well, you know, I know, I know you've had Rand Fishkin on. on. He's a, Rand's a, just an awesome guy. I've had really positive exchanges with him over the years. I haven't shown him geo landing pages yet, but um, of the people that have seen it, it's, it's, it's just been really well received. And, um, you know, if anyone in your audience is interested in a really kick-ass, you know, SEO product, I'd say, check us out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what would you say? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't believe I've heard this guy's name, but uh, I feel bad because he, I should know him if he's out there too. What was his name again? You said Kyle? Kyle Roof. R-O-O-F. Yeah. I'm happy to introduce you to him too. Um, that would be killer, man. I mean, I just, I just love learning as much as I can. And also, you know, the fact that you know about Rand, not so many, only people in the industry know about Rand, but he's got a new tool that thing called Spark Toro, which I'm going to look into that actually works on some pretty cool things you might actually enjoy yourself. It's like audience research tool. It's really super cool, man. It's called Spark Toro. Yeah, Spark Toro, Toro like the uh, the bull. Yeah, Spark Toro. Dude, I've, I've still got to check it out. <laughs> if Rand is behind it, I'm sure it's killer. So I, I, I got to check it out too. But yeah, man. Okay, so Kyle Roof and Geo Geo City Landing Pages. You said um, Geo Landing Pages Geo, dot com. Geo City. Wow, is that the nineties? <laughs> um, oh, Geo Cities was the nineties. That was my first website. I did it on <laughs> Geo Cities, dude. Oh my gosh! How do you? How do you? I know I'm 31, that? but but the truth is, when I was a kid, my my uncle uh, was uh, he was one of the first people to bring um, web TV by Philips Magnavox to the states from Japan. Um, Dude, and uh, I was you are using so, web TV back in the day. You are so OG if you know Geo Cities, Philip. Like, yeah, Geo Cities, and oh I'm only 31, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, you must have been like four. Yeah, four, five, six, somewhere in that range. Uh, Floyd, this was great, man. I, I know for a fact any listener here who's tuning in definitely got something out of this. If it wasn't from the power of your story, which you only shared the tip of the iceberg on, then it was it was it was definitely the power of your work ethic and the sheer experience that you could hear when you speak of the many, many, many projects you've worked on and what you've learned from that. I mean, it sounds simple to hear someone say, well, this is what you do, X, Y, Z, because that's what everybody wants. But that simplicity only comes from mastery. And the amount of time that you've put to collect that information and be able to present it so succinctly and like, here you go, here's a package that only comes from cutting your teeth, man. And 
I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that, that you sh- that you were so open and you shared this much value on this podcast. Well, I'm grateful to be here and to to have a to have a chance to reconnect with you because uh, I always enjoyed working with you, Philip. You're 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 good. You're a good man, and uh, you're really passionate about business and learning and exploring. And uh, I just love people like that. You know, you're mad to live, as they say. So thanks yes, for having sir. me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming in. And uh, and I'll, I'll see you soon, man. You got it. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Blueprint. I hope it was helpful. And as always, I'm open to feedback. Please follow our guest where they directed you to. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. Or you can even get more personal and connect with me on Instagram. Either way, let's network. Let's build. And let me know who else you'd like to hear about. What other industries and professions you're interested in.